Look, I got a testimony. I got to tell him what God did. I'm calling God the homie. He took me out of the mosh pit. I will contest the phonies. Separate demons and God's kids. I got to spread his word, so I'm going to show you who the God is. The word is my weapon. I move like a general. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Walk With Me. I am your host, JJ. I'm having fun here, and I hope you are as well. This podcast is called Walk With Me. I am your host. Thank you so much for liking and sharing and and commenting. And I'm enjoying all the feedback, whether you think it's positive or negative or critical or appreciative. Love it all. Uh, If you have any questions or comments, go ahead and drop a line to walkwithmebiblestudy at gmail.com. Walkwithmebiblestudy at gmail.com. And we are so glad to have each and every one of you who listen to this podcast. You guys can be listening to any podcast in the world, but you've chosen this one. God has brought you here and I appreciate you. But most of all, glory to God for bringing you here. Uh, we, uh, I got a couple comments last week about the, the whole uh, birth of the church and a lot of questions. And I didn't answer a certain series of questions. Uh, from every from the you guys who sent questions, um, only because I knew that we were going to cover it this week. So, what is that question? The question is, what exactly is repentance, and and how does that fit into the overall uh, method of salvation that was laid out by Peter on the day of Pentecost? Now, I get it. Repentance sounds like a very, uh, a very harsh word, a very um, self-deprecating term, or a a term that you hear a lot that sounds really harsh and 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 you know bad, or it, it sounds like it's something that's almost impossible to do. But the repentance part is imperative, and it's got to be a. Uh, is it is really the one of the three methods or one of the three ingredients that go into being saved? And I use that term "saved" in quotation marks, uh, and I because I feel as if we like to say that once you get saved, you're kind of always saved, and nothing else can change that. When the Bible sort of tells us in you know very distinct terms that there are ways you can become unsaved, so. I say all that because you want to know what repentance is. We're going to talk about what repentance is. Uh, first of all, uh, make sure you like or, or share and let everybody know about this uh, podcast. And I see the, the listener goes listening ship just going through the roof. I appreciate it. Our sponsors here, are True Bars Lyricist. He helped us upgrade our listening or our mic equipment. And, uh, True and, uh, Exquisite Creations with our walk with me mugs and tumblers the website is has been taken offline again uh, while she uploads new material but when we get that material back up the website will be back up but doesn't stop me from talking about how wonderful her artwork is so let's jump right into everything we're talking about repentance in relation to the entire plan of salvation so what is repentance repentance is basically to feel sorrow and being convicted over past things you've done. Generally, people like to re- react with being offended to to this whole repentance or that whole conviction feeling. But this is not the right way. The, the offense 
the, the feeling of offense of uh, offense is basically your pride trying to get in the way of you actually repenting of the things that you're realizing that you've done wrong. And you kind of get this when you hear people try to say, oh, well, you can't judge me. This is your pride trying to put you above the Bible. And I, I know that sounds really harsh, but it, it is true. I wouldn't tell you anything that's not true. As a matter of fact, uh, repentance is also sort of turning away from future sin. So you can't, it, that's all a part of repentance. You can't just decide, hey, I'm sorry for what I did yesterday and then turn around and do the same thing tomorrow or plan to do the same thing tomorrow or do the same thing next week. You have to be truly sorry. If if I if I walked up to you and slapped you and I said, I'm sorry, then you say, okay. But then if I walked up to you the next day and slapped you again, your natural your natural thinking is going to be, well, I thought you said you were sorry, but you're not because you did it again. So this repentance is is both feeling bad for the things that you've done and turning away from doing it again in the future. Now, that's not to say you're not going to struggle with the temptation of it. It's an idea of consciously turning away from the thing that you had done. As a matter of fact, John John the Baptist preached repentance before Jesus' ministry ever got started. And, and just so that there was continuity of message, Jesus also preached repentance. And it's one of the things that was really sort of um, glaring at us in the Old Testament where God was talking about a repentant state was Sodom and Gomorrah. Now we all talk, we all hear about Sodom and Gomorrah, but it was so bad that all God wanted to, all Abraham and God had negotiated. If you could just find five people willing to turn away from this lifestyle, God would spare the entire two cities. This is two cities now. Consider your city and the city that's right, that's closest to you. Most cities are now sort of like a twin city sort of state. Like, say, uh, I don't know, St. Louis and, um, oh my gosh, Earth City. They're right next to each other, so they're kind of like a twin city status. Or Chicago and uh, Gary, Indiana, or, or Whiting, Indiana. They're, they're sort of in this greatest metropolis area. Consider it just like that. New York City and Yonkers, right next to each other. Consider it like this, and all you have to do is find five people in these greater, this greater metropolis area willing to turn away from their sin, and God would have spared both cities, the entirety of both cities. But God couldn't find five people. He even, um, we were talking about, off, I think a couple days ago, we were talking about Jonah. Jonah uh, was talking about Nineveh, and the people of Nineveh, did not do what Sodom and Gomorrah did. As soon as Nineveh heard of what Jonah said, they repented from the king to the most lowliest servant in the kingdom. They all repented. They all did act of repentance. And Jesus said that this fact condemned those of us who refused to repent in this generation. Matthew 20, I'm sorry, 12 and 41. And before I stop that, you know, I got to give my disclaimer we give a scripture, always read a verse or two above and a verse or two below because context is key. Preferably, you want to read the whole chapter. The men of Nineveh, and this is Matthew 12 and 41. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation 
and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of uh, Jonas and behold a greater of Jonas is here what is Jesus saying Jesus saying that when Jonas came up out the water and said 40 days and this kingdom will be overthrown because you guys suck all of Nineveh said God I'm sorry for sucking (laughs) God I'm sorry for being a bad human being a bad person but those people will rise up and condemn us because we've heard and right now Jesus is talking about when he was walking but we've heard the words of Jesus directly from Jesus not through a prophet but directly from Jesus and we refuse to repent that puts them on a different pedestal than us John the Baptist he commanded everyone in Judea to repent and prepare their hearts for the kingdom of heaven Matthew 3 and 2 and saying repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand remember verse or two above verse or two below but I want you to read the entire chapter Matthew chapter 3 Mark 1 and 4 John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins so there was a baptism and there was a repentance but John didn't know anything about the Holy Ghost because that wasn't his ministry that wasn't his message that God had given him But Jesus came right along after that and proclaimed the exact same thing. Luke 13 and 3. I tell you nay, but except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. This has nothing to do, y'all. And I have to stop here because this this is where we get a lot of this is gotta this is we get a lot of anguish, I'll say, among the quote unquote Christian community. We get a lot of anguish because we go to such and such church. We go to so-and-so's church. We go to my uncle's church. We go to my auntie's church. We go to this church from my coworker who seems really nice. And we and we forget that just because we go and we sit on these pews, if we haven't repented, we shall all likewise perish. Now, this is not to say that we, if we do repent, we're going to live forever. This word perish is talking about a spiritual death. And it's not talking about a physical death. We will all die. That's just how that is. We'll all die. Now, what counts is whether we live in heaven afterwards and eternal life and glory and loving God and worshiping and having a good time, or whether we choose to suffer eternal death. Now, I've heard one preacher say it like this. Your soul does not fall into heaven. I'm sorry, does not fall into hell and burn up like a piece of paper because the Bible says the smoke from their torment ascends forever I've heard that same preacher said and I can't remember who it was but it stuck with me because it made sense the moment the, the, the bright moment of pain that you experience right at death is what you will experience throughout, the alternate, the, throughout all eternity that's why you have a spiritual death because that spiritual death because your soul cannot die your soul will go through a continuous everlasting moment of death and as contradictory as that sounds as oxymoronic as that sounds that would be what hell is and then that gets thrown into the lake of fire so it gets worse the last words of Jesus before his ascension commanded also repentance 
It's just what we call the Great Commission. Luke 24, 47. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. I know some of you have still are still commenting on the entire Trinity thing, but this is also goes back into that. He didn't say preach in their names. He said preached in his name among all in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So this is why when we came to the day of Pentecost, all of that repentance was brought forward because this was absolutely key. Acts 2.38, and Peter said unto them, repent. In other words, turn away from your wicked sins. Feel bad about it and turn away from it. Ask to be forgiven of it and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, this is the only time the only time a the the complete um salvation formula a formula was actually laid out jesus gave bits and pieces of it and in the the letters to the church it was also given bits and pieces of it but only in the book of acts was it ever specifically stated over and over and over there was a repentance there was infilling of the holy ghost and there was baptism in jesus name Sometimes it was not even in that order. Peter said, repent, be baptized, and get the Holy Ghost. Some people had the Holy Ghost before they even realized that they were supposed to be baptized. Some people uh, were baptized and had repented and didn't know there was supposed to be a Holy Ghost. And then they got baptized and then they got the Holy Ghost. So these may come at separate times, but all three are necessary. So what it is, what is it then to be baptized? Because some of you guys asked that question. Why is baptism so important? Now, the, the immersion, the word of God only describes this one way of being baptized. Complete immersion, not sprinkling of the forehead and, you know, not. Um, it just calls for immersion. The word baptism is, is derived from a Greek word. Baptizo, which means to dip, to plunge, or to immerse. So, in one of the definitions, it says to make fully wet, um, ceremonial ablution, or especially the uh, ordinance of Christian baptism. That's what they call that word, baptizo, baptizo, or baptizo. Um, This can be pronounced either way. Now, immersion is important because only this mode preserves the significance of baptism in burial. Because what you're being, what you're doing is, when you're baptizing someone, you're actually symbolizing a burial. This is the exact same reason why we see types and shadows of a baptism in the Old Testament. When the uh, children of Israel came out of Egypt, they went down through the Red Sea rather than around it. Yeah, you could say, oh, well, that was so that uh, God can kill all the Egyptians. But what was God really doing? Was he really killing Egyptians or was he washing the Egyptians off of the Israelites? I want you to think about that for a moment. And when we got to that point, when we realized that baptism was important, it's also symbolizing death the, the symbolism of death to sin in the ungodly life before our encounter with Jesus Christ. Now, spiritually speaking, now when when a person repents, 
this is actually um, kind of being crucified, of crucifying himself. And we're basically dying out. We're dying out to our old fleshly nature. We're actually giving up the things that uh, that appeal to us, that do not appeal to Christ. This does not mean, walkers, that you your life has to be miserable. It, I, that, I don't know where we get that idea that uh, living for God is some somber, miserable, face upside down sort of experience that you can have no fun and you have to give up everything you love and everything is just sorry and mean and nasty and oh I'm <laughs> I'm hillier than now so I don't get to smile now, I'm, not, I'm not sure where we get that idea but this idea is completely false it is absolutely false and in matter of fact once once you've completely repented of your sin, you will find out that your life is much better now than it was then. Even though you may have a few good memories of your life back then, you may even talk to other people like I do. I talk to people about my life before I came to God. And and just to explain to them that even though you may think that life was fun, my life is better now. So you may still have these, you can still have these memories and you can still talk about these memories. Yeah, you remember when I was flying down the side of a mountain on my bike? It, that's fine. You can. You are still going to be able to have fun. You're still not going to be able to live a Christian and holy life and still be happy. You're not dying out to happiness. You're not dying out to joy. You're actually dying out to sin and being renewed into a greater joy to a greater happiness a a more thorough happiness is the best way I can put it but you know we were talking earlier about what uh, and I kind of got off track here I'm trying to get back into the baptism part but how is a person baptized somebody asked me that how is a person baptized really what does the bible say about it so my question is is he sprinkled to you because there are different definitions of that so Romans 6 and 4, therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death. Not sprinkled. We are buried. That is like Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. That's what we were just talking about a moment ago. When you when you are buried in baptism and you repented of sins, you are dead to that lifestyle anymore. And you rise up like a newborn child, so to speak, in the spirit. And then and it's hard to explain this to someone who's never gone through it. But it's, it's literally like you waking up and it's an entirely new, different day. And it's not to say, let me put an asterisk here, that is not to say that the things that you've done before your baptism, you may not have to answer for. I am not saying that at all. Anyone who says that is not telling you the truth. Now, will God shield you from some of that stuff? Yes. Will God deliver you from some of that stuff? Yes. But will God absolve you of all of that stuff? Of all of it? No. That's completely unreasonable. If you went out and you murdered somebody the night before, and you repented and you repented and, and died out to uh, sin and was reborn in newness of life, you still need the answer for that murder you committed two days ago. 
So just so you know, this does not this does not um, this does not absolve you of all of the things you've done. The only thing is you're you're starting a new uh, a new tablet, a new slate, a new clean slate from right now. And now that you've got the Holy Ghost, it allows you to face that um, those consequences in a better state of mind or in a better state of spirit. Now, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about being buried with Jesus in baptism. We're going to go through some of these and then we're going to talk about what it is to be buried in that name. How? What what the name? What is the name? So Matthew 29, 28, 19. Go ye therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Quick, write these down. Mark 16 and 16. He that is believe that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Why? Because you if you don't believe, you're not going to get baptized. And if you don't believe, you're not going to get baptized correctly. We'll talk about that. John 3 and 5. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit. There it is again, that word born. Uh, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Acts 2.38, and Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It goes on and on. Acts 8 and 16, For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whoa, there you go. Acts um, 8 and 38, and he commanded the chariot to stand still, and he went down both into the water, both Peter and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Baptism is important. Acts 10 and 48, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. When they prayed him, I'm sorry, then they prayed him to tarry certain days. Acts 19 and 5. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 22 and 16. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. Wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Romans 6 and 4. Now we're out of the book of history. And now we're into a, a book of letters to a church that had already been established. Romans 6 and 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. Like as Christ was raised up from the dead of the glory by the Father, even so we shall walk in the newness of life. Galatians 3 and 27. For many, for as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So just so you know, if if you think that baptism is not important, and by baptism we're talking about full immersion, if you think that's not important, I, I don't know what to tell you. The Bible specifically says this over and over and over. This word baptism, baptize, baptism, baptize is very important. And a lot of times the Bible will say something like once or twice. This thing here is listed at least eight times, nine times over and over and over and over in the New Testament because this is important. It is important. Now, now that we've understood what, what baptism is about, and what I'm sorry, what baptism is. And what you have to do to be baptized. Next week, we're going to talk about how to be baptized. And yes, it is more than just sprinkling. It is something that has to be said. There is something there is something that has to be attached to that baptism. And we're going to talk about that. And I know a lot of some of you listening to that 
next week's episode is going to be pretty upset because it kind of kicks that other uh, narrative that we talked about a couple weeks ago. It kind of kicks it in the head. I, I get it. I get it. But we will talk about it because it, it goes forward to solidify this doctrine of one God. Okay. All right. With that being said, I thank you all so much. We are out of time. We covered a lot today, but we are out of time. Uh, we will carry this on next week. Be makes just be sure to like, share, and you know what? If anything else, tell somebody that you love them. Tell somebody that God loves them. Tell them that God sent them sent you to tell them that He loves you or He loves them, and He loves you too. He loves all of us, um, and this is why He died on the cross. He died on the cross for us for our sins to be remitted. All right. God bless you all. See you all next week. Take care. Yeah. True. Uh. See, I do it for Jesus. Jesus. Everything I've been doing, give me a reason. Give me a reason. I got to spread the words of a genius. Words of a genius. Everybody needs to know who the leader. Who the leader. See, I do it for Jesus. Jesus. Everything I've been doing, give me a reason. Give me a reason.